This is Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Welcome to episode 54 of Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission, recorded on July 15th, 2021. This is where you can find out all you need or want to know about Downtown Halifax. I'm Ivy Ho, Director of Communications. And I'm Alana McDonald-Mills, Director of Marketing. We are your hosts for Downtown Lowdown. We'll be giving you the lowdown of what's new in business, resources, and issues that affect downtown. We also talk to key individuals that help make downtown Halifax better. This episode is being recorded via video conferencing, so we apologize in advance for any issues with the sound quality. In this episode, Alana will be chatting with Wendy L. Wilson. Wendy is a visual artist and the creator and designer of the African Nova Scotian flag that was unveiled earlier this year during African Heritage Month. Wendy is going to tell us about the new flag and how businesses and individuals can honor and participate in the first official Emancipation Day on August 1st. On BizBuzz, we have some business updates and milestones to share. We'll tell you about some events, yes, events, coming up in downtown Halifax. And we'll also talk about patio season and the Patio Lanterns Festival, our new Meet Me Downtown and parking campaigns. And we'll finish with some ideas of things to do in downtown Halifax this summer. This episode is being recorded on July 15th, 2021, so keep that in mind while listening. The pandemic situation and the provincial reopening has been changing quickly with new public health measures and economic programs affecting businesses implemented by the provincial government almost daily. To keep up to date, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash COVID-19 or visit novascotia.ca slash coronavirus. We are welcoming Wendy L. Wilson to Downtown Lowdown today. Wendy is an educator, a cultural writer, a visual artist, and the creator and designer of the African Nova Scotian flag that was unveiled earlier this year during African Heritage Month. Wendy is going to tell us about the African Nova Scotian flag and how businesses and people can honor and participate in Emancipation Day on August 1st. Hi, Wendy. Thank you for joining us today. Hi. Thanks for having me. So, Wendy, let's start with you. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and why it was important for you to design an African Nova Scotian flag? So, I am a African Nova Scotian. Mm -hmm. Uh, We now have eight or nine generations with the nieces and great nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. I am an artist, an educator, Mm -hmm. and I'm also a mother. I am a cultural writer and uh, also a cultural advocate. Okay. So that's that's who I am primarily, and I take all of these roles very seriously. But one of the roles that I've been in for a number of years, for the last 20 years, is that of public education, elementary education. Okay. And so when my daughter came home in 2012 with an assignment on the historical and cultural groups in Nova Scotia, those being the Mi'kmaq, the Acadian, and African Nova Scotian cultures, Mm -hmm. Uh, she was looking up some different components of culture and I questioned her about the flag. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, what did you use as an African Nova Scotian flag? Because I know that there's a Mi'kmaq flag and there's an an Acadian flag and those flags are respectfully flown very proudly by um, Mm -hmm. people within those cultures. And so we did a little bit of research. She did a little bit of research. I did a little bit more research and found that uh, I came up empty handed. I couldn't find anything that was specific to the African Nova Scotian culture. Um, but what I did find was a pan-African flag that you will still see people fly with the it's a horizontal, three horizontal lines, red, green and black. 
And uh, that is to represent people in the African diaspora. So everyone around the world that is of African descent. And uh, people are obviously still fly that flag. And uh, the African Nova Scotian flag that I created isn't to replace that flag. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's in, a, in, an, in addition to the Pan-African flag. But it, for me, it speaks more to our culture speci- specifically uh, because of the colors and the symbolism that mm-hmm. the flag represents. Right. So that's such a great legacy for you and, and also for your daughter now to have that you designed this flag. I designed it for her in 2012, and I took it on the road, uh, did quite a few workshops with it, with students and adults. I actually did a few PDs with the uh, uh, Teachers Unions uh, Conference that we have every October. Mm-hmm. And for a few years, I took the show on the road and talked about the flag and its importance. But mostly I took it on the road to highlight African Nova Scotian culture. Right. That's great. So you sort of mentioned a bit about what the flag looks like, and I know our listeners can't see the flag, um, but can you describe more of the inspiration and also what the the uh, flag looks like for our listeners? So, yeah, sure. So the flag is made up of three panels, three mm-hmm. colors, uh, red, a gold or yellow, mm-hmm. uh, and green. And the red represents blood and sacrifice. The gold represents cultural richness, and the green represents fertility and growth. And then there, there's an a image in the center, a symbolic Im- image that is actually one of the hundreds of Adinkra symbols out of West Africa, and it is called Sankofa. And you will see a lot of like organizations uh, in Nova Scotia and businesses that, that borrow that symbol that Sankofa symbol, because it means to reach back and get it. So for us, our legacy, all the things that we would have brought here to Nova Scotia with us um, via the Southern United States uh, and also from West Africa, where most likely I come from. I don't know exactly where I come from in, uh, in Africa, but I know that it's most likely the West Coast of Africa, where those symbols originate. So also, coincidentally, uh, my art is very reflective of that style of art as well. All of my art is symbolic. Okay. And at the beginning, um, back in 2010, when I started creating this art, when I, when I was doing my master's in Afrocentric education, um, I was just doodling. And I thought it was doodling. And then one of my professors, Dr. Harvey Miller, asked me, what's that? And I said, oh, I'm just doodling. And he said, girl, that's not doodling, that's art. And so wow. that's when I started, people started requesting some of the pieces that I was creating for myself. And for me, I was creating it as a visual diary. It helped me remember some of the smells and things that were going on at the time. So every time I did a piece and I went back to reflect on it, I could remember where I was, what was being said. So it was a visual diary for me. Mm-hmm. But I did start sharing the work with other people. I started um, creating uh, copies. Uh, I wanted to keep all the originals for myself. As I said, I wanted to keep that diary. And um, then I discovered, uh, probably a few years later, where my inspiration came from. I, I really didn't have any idea because people would ask, like, what style of art is that? Is that Inuit art? Is it um, 
indigenous art? Is it Japanese? Is it Japanese art? Is it calligraphy? And I honestly could not answer that question. And I did a little bit of research and I came upon some other artists that were mm, similar, but definitely not the same. And then I discovered the Adinkra symbols. Okay. Wow. And that's when I knew. I was like, this is exactly the kind of art that I do. And um, from that point on, I just chalked it up to blood memory. And that's something that obviously is in my blood, in my bones, um, that West Coast of Africa is sometimes, even generationally, you can't uh, take away Mm -hmm. things that actually are embedded in in the DNA. And so uh, I'm very indebted to that style of art and those symbols. And so I chose... The African, the colors are traditional African colors. You will see them like the, as the Rastafarian colors. As uh, there's um, quite a few flags in Africa that that borrow or use those colors. Um, I really wanted people to know that this flag represented people of African descent, and that's right. why I chose to use those colors. Wow, that's good. that's amazing. That's a, it's amazing that uh, the art was sort of distilled in you. It was yeah. in me. Yeah. <laughs> and I had no idea. And I was just so happy and thrilled and mostly validated when I discovered the Adinkra symbols. Now, I had seen them around and you probably have seen them around as well. Like they're yeah. everywhere. But I didn't realize that they were this broad collection of um, symbols. And when I discovered that, uh, I realized that that was my calling and that's where my inspiration um, came from. Um, and just so our listeners know, we will post a link to the flag on our website at downtownhalifax.ca slash podcast. Uh, so, Wendy, what was it like for you to finally see the flag unveiled as the African Nova Scotian flag earlier this year? Uh, so, because I've been uh, closely in alignment uh, with this flag for almost a decade yeah. and toting it around and promoting it, um, for it to be unveiled as an African Nova Scotian flag, um, it was thrilling. It was thrilling because I had shared it already with a lot of people, but this was an opportunity for even more people to become aware of a flag um, that is open for adoption. It's open for people to take on it as their flag if they wish to do so. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right now, other than the Pan-African flag, which I said represents African people globally, um, there isn't a flag that I'm aware of that is specific to the African Nova Scotian culture and created for that purpose. So I was really happy um, to be able to share the flag. Uh, I worked closely with uh, some African Nova Scotian community organizations and um, wanted to make sure that the flag also had a purpose. Mm-hmm. And because I am primarily an educator, I wanted the flag to be able to work to build the capacity in the community and what's more important than education. Right. So the proceeds, any of the proceeds that are made from the flag go back to Afrocentric education initiatives in Nova Scotia. So I created the flag for the African Nova Scotian community. Um, uh, It represents me as an African Nova Scotian. It represents the past, it represents the present, and it represents the future. If you notice, well, when people are able to see the flag, the Sankofa uh, symbol uh, 
one of these symbols or versions is a bird looking backwards at an egg. So that represents looking at the past, back at the past, but the egg is obviously like the future, that gener- that next generation. Mm-hmm. And so um, I wanted to make sure that our culture is documented, mm-hmm. whether that is um, in written word or symbolically or through storytelling or through music. And uh, I'm definitely not the first person to uh, take on uh, this, this endeavor. Uh, there have been many trailblazers that I have learned from that I'm still learning from in the African Nova Scotian community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to be also I also want to be able to let people know who we are as a people. Mm-hmm. And we are a very unique group of people in Nova Scotia that have been here for over 400 years. Yes. Yeah. So generationally um, and historically, this is the place that we say that we're from. Um, And I say that I'm from this place because I can't pinpoint exactly where I am from in Africa. Mm -hmm. So for me, I am African Nova Scotian. And to be African Nova Scotian means to be from one of the over 52 historic Black communities throughout the province. Mm -hmm. So where a person comes from is usually, where they say they come from, is usually where their roots are connected historically and generationally to a piece of land, like where they're connected to a land. So if someone comes here from uh, Japan and they're here for, uh, you know, a generation, quite often you hear people describe themselves as uh, Japanese Canadian, taking themselves um from this place, they're here, but taking themselves, or I should say the roots from this place to the piece of land that they're connected to generationally. Right. So for me, I wanted people to be able to understand who African Nova Scotian people are, because quite often um, people will see black people in Nova Scotia and just assume that maybe we're all African Nova Scotian mm-hmm. um, or that we're just black. And for me, Black is, well, not just for me, Black is a race, and I was more interested in being able to describe myself culturally, so my cultural background. August 1st was officially declared Emancipation Day by our federal and our provincial government earlier this year. Could you tell us about Emancipation Day and what it means to the African Nova Scotian community? So, yeah, as you mentioned, this is the first Emancipation Mm -hmm. Day. I'm so excited about August 1st and um, all that it will bring in terms of us being able to recognize the abolition of slavery back in 1834, I believe. Yes. uh, Yes. So that happened um, in 1834 with the Slavery Abolition Act, which ended slavery in the British Empire. And what Emancipation Day means to me is it means freedom. When I think about emancipation, that is the word that comes to the forefront of my mind is freedom. And when I think about freedom, I think about more than just physical freedom, the physical freedom to be able to move and not to be owned by anyone or for anyone to determine, uh, you know, what you can do or what you're capable of doing. Um, I think about freedom and emancipation as agency, me being able to act on my own. And so in also in the month of August, Uh, the African Nova Scotian Freedom School is happening, and this is the second year 
that the Freedom School is happening. So we will be taking the topic of freedom and land and looking at it in many different capacities. So when I think about emancipation, I think about freedom and I think about the freedom to act and the freedom to be and the freedom to be able to determine who you are and what you're capable of. That's great. Um, Yeah, it's pretty amazing that this is the first year for it. I know that it was a a designated day in Ontario for a long time, but um, it's great that it's finally also for the rest of Canada now. And uh, Dr. Uh, Wanda Thomas-Bernard, I believe, was the catalyst to bringing that. She's she's an African Nova Scotian, Mm -hmm. and she was the catalyst to to bringing that uh, to the members, the other members of Parliament, and then, uh, you know, obviously voting. It was a unanimous um, vote. Yes. And um, we, like I said, we're going to be uh, being, we're, we're going to be able to share what this means, this freedom piece means um, on August 1st as a holiday. Mm-hmm. But we also want to be able to talk about these things uh, throughout the year as well. Right. So uh, people are aware of African Heritage Month, or some people refer to it as Black History Month, mm-hmm. that happens in February, and African Heritage Month really does um, focus on our history, mm-hmm. and Emancipation Day, uh, we'll see how it goes, but I see Emancipation Day as focusing on freedom and, and focusing on the future. Yeah. And so when I created the African Nova Scotian flag, I created it for my daughter who was a student. Mm-hmm. And I and it still stands today that that is the reason behind the flag as an educator, the reason behind the flag that still stands uh from 2012 to 2021 mm-hmm. is that I wanted um students to be able, when they were doing their projects, to be able to find something that represented them as an African Nova Scotian. And up until this point, there wasn't um, anything that represented them specifically that was created specifically for their cultural group. Right. So that is really primarily who this flag is for. Yeah, I love that it, uh, the symbolism the symbolism in it that points to the future. I think that's so amazing. The future. It's the, and, it, and it acknowledges the past and all the richness um, in the past, things that might've been taken away from us, things that we might've forgotten, things, you know, that um, people didn't want us to know. Um, it's, it's still, it's, it's, it's in the past. And the, the sediment is that we want to make sure that we're bringing these things to the future to help propel us. Mm-hmm. Um, into uh, our rightful place. The whole thing around slavery is that it wasn't our history. It was our history interrupted. You know, so right. I know for the longest time in the school system, even as a, a teacher of African descent, um, you know, we would read these books about slavery and we would read these books about the civil rights movement. And basically all the books, that picture books that I was reading to my kids were all around the struggle of slavery and civil mm-hmm. liberties. And that is just a, you know, that's just a minute portion of who we are as a people. And like I said, it's, it's not our history. It's our history interrupted. Um, really, if we're looking at whose history uh, slavery is, that history belongs to white people. That's white people's history. Right. Right. So I wanted to make sure that students 
in my classroom and other classrooms throughout Nova Scotia when they were doing a project on African Nova Scotian culture that they were able to find artifacts that represented them, unifying symbols. And so in doing that, I also uh, took on a project probably, I don't know, probably about seven, eight years ago where I started researching African Nova Scotian food. Mm-hmm. And what is African Nova Scotian food? We know what it is as African Nova Scotians. We kind of, for me, I just kind of took it for granted. I knew the type of foods that I ate growing up. I know the type of foods that my friends ate growing up. But I didn't really see it documented anywhere um, other than, like, you know, the church cookbooks. But collectively, um, I wasn't, I was noticing that people weren't really talking about it as a cuisine. And I only kind of came to the conclusion that we do have a cuisine, but I had to do some research on exactly what foods we share across the province and mm-hmm. the many African Nova Scotian communities that span uh, Nova Scotia. And uh, every year, my kids are 22 and 27 now, but every year we went to the uh, multicultural festival that would be held on the yes. Darkness waterfront. Mm-hmm. And uh, like a lot of people, you know, I was really excited about the food that I would be able to eat when I went there. And every year I went there, I, you know, visit the uh, Greek booth and the Jamaican booth. And I always wondered, like, what would it be like if there was an African Nova Scotian booth? Right. What would they serve? Like, what foods would we be noted for? And so then I started doing some informal research, just asking around in the community, um, asking our elders, um, our aunties and our uncles, like, what food did you Mm -hmm. eat growing up? And uh, I came up with a collection of recipes and and also some different ways that we cook our food and the spices that we use. Mm -hmm. And so just recently in the in the current issue of Chatelaine magazine, uh for July, August is I, I had the opportunity to write an article about African Nova Scotian food and the history behind it. Oh, amazing. So what would some African Nova Scotian food be? So a traditional African Nova Scotian um, uh, dish would be boiled dinner. Right. But boiled dinner, salt cod, fish cakes, um, uh, baked beans, uh, curry chicken, blueberry duff. Uh, oxtails, greens, mac and cheese, fried chicken. So it's a collection of recipes. Yes, so right. When I first started talking about it, um, people would say, well, boiled dinner, that's something you can get in Newfoundland. Uh, <laughs> Salt-caught fish cakes, that's something that, you know, you get in Cape Breton. Like, that's not specifically African Nova Scotian food. But for us, it's the collection of recipes. So that's one of the, right. one of the dishes that we would have borrowed probably because it was familiar to us. So if you look at any Caribbean or African um, uh, cuisine, you'll always find a fish cake. Oh, right. Yes. Some kind of fish cake. So when we came here, we probably thought, oh, wow, this is a memory. Like, so we, we adopt, immediately adopted the salt cod fish cakes, which is the same traditional recipe that you'll find throughout um, the rest of the Maritimes. Mm-hmm. Um, we do um, make some substitutions. Uh, so for instance, for the, boiled dinner we traditionally had that as a sunday meal and instead of corned beef we would have pigtails oh okay oh interesting pigtails or you know we it's and instead of roast beef we might have might have roast um roast tongue uh cow beef tongue uh, uh rabbits we um 
would have learned a lot from the Mi'kmaq when we came and right. that they would be responsible for helping us to navigate the land and survive. Mm -hmm. And so using the previous farming knowledge that we farming knowledge that we would have had in conjunction with like um, the expertise of the Mi'kmaq, we learned to fish um, some traditional fish that you find here, find here in Nova Scotia, which now is part of our uh, repertoire is uh, mackerel. We, we ate right. a lot of mackerel growing up. A lot of smelts growing up, uh, eels were were uh, um, a treat in the African Nova Scotian culture when I was growing up. Uh, learning how to snare rabbits, so eating some of the same foods that our uh, Mi'kmaq counterparts would eat, mm -hmm. as well as some of the same foods that um, you would find in the rest of the Maritimes, mm -hmm. uh, paired up with recipes from Southern United States and spices and from Africa and the Caribbean. So it's just this really cool, um, yeah, unique collection of recipes. Yeah. So will you be eating anything special on Emancipation Day? That's good. You know, I never thought about that, but now I'm going to have to whip something up. Normally, <laughs> like a couple times a week, we're eating, uh, you know, summertime now. So, you know, a lot of greens and um, root vegetables and fish. And so we eat um, those kind of meals uh, quite often. But, yeah, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get together with family now yeah. that I'm double vaxxed. Yes, uh, yeah. August 1st and uh, just get together and maybe, you know, do some barbecue. That's big in the African Nova Scotian culture as well. Mm -hmm. So finally, let's talk about uh, what businesses and the public can do to honor and participate in Emancipation Day this year. Do you have any ideas for our listeners? So there are some events being planned uh, for August 1st and as well as uh, throughout the month of August. Uh, so if people were interested in finding out what some of these events are, they could go to the African Nova Scotian Affairs website and they have a calendar there that you can check out. Um, also, keep your eye on your eyes on social media. Um, I'm noticing that a lot of things are popping up there as well. Some flag raising. I think there's a flag raising down in Guysboro County uh, in August, um, as well as some uh, events that involve music. So the events are still kind of unrolling. Um, people are unveiling their events for August. So just, um, you know, like I said, keep an eye out for what's coming up. But uh, I was, I'm asking people to hopefully take the opportunity to put some public art out there so that people can see that you're in support of Emancipation Day. So I know the downtown Halifax Business Commission um, have some flags that people can pick up, uh, businesses can pick up. Uh, I also designed a power fist, resistance fist, uh, with a twist on it. So those decals are going to be available for uh, folks to put in their windows as well. So it will be nice to participate in an event, but it would also be nice to symbolically be able to show that you're supporting um, August 1st as Emancipation Day. Yes, and I'm sure as, you know, the years go on, the day will get uh, bigger and bigger and there'll be more events um, since this is the first one, people are just probably getting getting started with it. So, uh, but yes, as you mentioned, we are going to have um, some of the African Nova Scotian flags and some of your decals that we'll be giving out to our businesses. And I think some of the other bids in the Halifax area are also going to be giving out some um, decals also. So, um, so anything else you'd like to add, Wendy? 
Uh, the other thing, the only other thing that I would like to add is if you're if you're not able to come out to any of the events for Emancipation Day or symbolically represent uh, some uh, African Nova Scotian inspired art, then have a conversation. You know, do a little bit of research. Uh, have a courageous conversation with someone about anti-black racism. Mm-hmm. Open up that um, that space to be able to talk honestly about uh, things that have happened in the past and um, all of the current day events that are going on and the current day issues and as well as the things that we as African Nova Scotian people have been able to achieve. Uh, check out some of the inventors, check out some of the trailblazers, uh, share that information with someone else in your workplace or in your neighborhood or in your family. Mm-hmm. So if you're not able to get out to the events, you're still able to participate. As an artist, I wanted to mention the importance of art and art in our culture and, and public art. Um, I've been interested in um, in displaying more public art, being able to share art with people, Quite often, art can be expensive for people purchasing pieces, but public art is free and is for everyone. And a friend of mine uh, let me uh, a quote or a saying, I guess, about art. And art is the difference between uh, surviving and thriving. So when we're able to actually create art, we're in a space where we feel safe. And we have our needs met as opposed to just trying to survive when you're out there just trying to survive. You don't really have time to produce the magnitude of art that I feel as African Nova Scotians, we are so good at. Like there is so much talent here. This place is a magical place um, in terms of art and culture for African Nova Scotians. So I guess my contribution, one of my contributions to public art is this flag. Mm-hmm. This flag is the ultimate um, symbol of public art. Yeah, that's a nice way to think about it, actually. Yeah. Which, I mean, a lot of flags are, but we don't think about it. No, like that. not at all. No. I did a little bit of research about, you know, who designed the Canadian flag and who designed other flags. Uh, and and uh, in a lot of cases, there are artists that, this, that design these flags. Right. And yeah. So, and um, my my art is my gift. Um, it's not only a gift that I've received, but it's also a gift that I'm interested in sharing with other people. And I'm hoping that for those people out there that are interested in adopting this flag, that are interested in being able to have a unifying cultural symbol, that I hope that they understand that this is my my gift. Um, I don't own this. I want this flag to be able to to be able to support our our community. And when I say support our community as an educator, uh, it's going to support Afrocentric um, education initiatives in the province. So mm-hmm. when you see someone with a with this African Nova Scotian flag, then you know that they're supporting Afrocentric education initiatives in Nova Scotia. That's great. That's some great advice. Um, Well, thank you for joining us today, Wendy. It was great to talk to you. You as well. Wendy L. Wilson is an educator, a cultural writer, a visual artist, and the creator and designer of the African Nova Scotian flag. You can learn more about Wendy by following at Nova Proud on Instagram. And you can see the African Nova Scotian flag and learn more about Emancipation Day on our website at downtownhalifax.ca slash podcast. 
And as Wendy mentioned, DHBC is giving away free African Nova Scotian flags and Emancipation Day decals to businesses in the downtown area on a first-come, first-served basis to display on Emancipation Day. You can email Lauren Andrews at communications at downtownhalifax.ca for more information. As always, Downtown Halifax Business Commission strives to provide the latest COVID-19 related information as the province revises restrictions. DHBC continues to follow the directives of the Nova Scotia Health Authority. Check DHBC's main COVID-19 resource page for businesses and for the public at downtownhalifax.ca slash COVID-19. The provincial state of emergency has been renewed and remains in effect until 12 noon, July 25th, 2021. We are now in phase four of Nova Scotia's reopening plan, which began on July 14th. Plan phases are based on ongoing progress of vaccination rates and improvements of public health and healthcare indicators. There are no changes to Nova Scotia's border policy in phase four. For gatherings, people can have informal gatherings with their household members in close social contacts to a maximum of 25 indoors or 50 outdoors without physical distancing or masks unless they are in a public place where masks are required. Faith gatherings, weddings, funerals, and associated receptions and visitations hosted by a recognized business or organization can have 50% capacity to a maximum of 150 people indoors or 250 people outdoors. For businesses, restaurants, licensed establishments, and casinos continue to operate with existing mask and distancing rules. There can be up to 25 people per table. Customers can go to the bar to order. Establishments can return to their normal service hours. They can have performers following the limit for arts and culture performances. Events hosted by a recognized business or organization can have 50% capacity to a maximum of 150 people indoors or 250 people outdoors. Organizers need a plan following guidelines for events. People can follow the informal gathering limit for dancing together at events and at bars or restaurants with distance between groups. The indoor limit applies to dancing indoors and on patios at bars or restaurants. All retail stores can operate at maximum capacity with public health measures in place, including distancing and masks. Meetings and training hosted by a recognized business or organization can have 50% capacity to a maximum of 150 people indoors or 250 people outdoors. For recreation and sport, fitness and recreation facilities such as gyms, yoga studios, pools, and arenas can operate at maximum capacity with public health measures in place, including distancing and masks. A wide variety of recreation and leisure businesses and organizations such as dance classes, music lessons, escape rooms, and indoor play spaces can operate at maximum capacity with public health measures in place, including distancing and masks. Organized sports practices, games, league play, competition, and recreation programs can involve up to 25 people indoors and 50 people outdoors without physical distancing. Tournaments are allowed when they are run by or affiliated with a provincial sport organization following the return to sport plan. Audiences must follow the gathering limits for events hosted by a recognized business or organization. Day camps can operate with 30 campers per group plus staff and volunteers following the day camp guidelines. Masks are no longer required for children 12 and under in childcare settings, including day camps and overnight camps. Masks are no longer required at outdoor public places where it may be difficult to maintain physical distance, such as markets, playgrounds, and parks. For arts and culture, 
professional and amateur arts and culture rehearsals and performances can involve up to 25 people indoors and 50 people outdoors without physical distancing. Audiences must follow the gathering limits for events hosted by a recognized business or organization. Museums, libraries, and the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia can operate at maximum capacity with public health measures in place, including distancing and masks. People who do not follow the public health measures can be fined. The fine is $2,000 per person at an illegal gathering. The full provincial reopening plan can be found at novascotia.ca slash reopening hyphen plan. These are just some of the restrictions that may affect businesses, workers, and visitors in downtown Halifax. For more information and a full list of restrictions, visit Nova Scotia Health Authority website at novascotia.ca slash coronavirus. And now for BizBuzz. It's time for BizBuzz. Lauren Andrews, our communications and marketing coordinator, is here with me today along with Ivy. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining me. Hi. Hi. On this episode of BizBuzz, we have some business updates and milestones to share. We'll tell you about some upcoming events in downtown Halifax, and we'll also tell you about Patio Season and the Patio Lanterns Festival, our new Meet Me Downtown and Parking Campaigns, and we'll finish with some ideas of things to do this summer in downtown Halifax. So Lauren, let's start with you. Lauren has some business updates and milestones to share. What do you have for us, Lauren? Sure. So first, Cabin Coffee celebrated their 20th anniversary on July 15th. They are located at 1554 Hollis Street and are open daily. Congratulations on 20 years. The Bitter End at 1572 Argyle Street is turning 21 years old. They continue to be successful and are the master of the martini. Congratulations. Downtown Halifax has a new public space on the waterfront. There has been an expansion of the wharf by the Salt Yard parking lot. There are tables and chairs to sit and enjoy the new space. The Decks at 1732 Argyle Street has opened and is welcoming people on all levels of their patio. They are open every day at 4 p.m. The Salt Yard Social had their grand opening on July 7th. They are now open daily from 4 p.m. to midnight. To learn more, visit their website saltyardsocial.ca. DHBC has a new featured member, Lumi Studios. Lumi Studios is a local photography, videography, design, and printing services studio located on Barrington Street. To read about our featured member, visit our website, downtownhalifax.ca. And finally, the Rainbow Artwork at Crosswalk program will be re-implemented this year. This year's program will result in four painted crosswalks in downtown Halifax on Barrington and Sackville Streets. They are funded by Councillor Way Mason and DHBC. The rainbow artwork will be completed by Sunday, August 1st. Great. Thanks, Lauren. So I'm going to start today by telling you about a few upcoming events in downtown Halifax. Yes, that's right. Events are back. Even though they may be operating a bit differently this year, it is exciting to have some events happening again. So let's start with Tunes at Noon. After a year-long hiatus due to COVID-19 restrictions, Tunes at Noon is also back. Ivy, do you want to tell our listeners about Tunes at Noon? Sure. Tunes at Noon is a, an outdoor concert series uh, presented by Downtown Halifax Business Commission in partnership with the African Nova Scotian Music Association. Uh, print media sponsor The Coast, Develop Nova Scotia, Music Nova Scotia, and Youth Art Connection. So Nova Scotian performers from all genres of music will perform at a new location at the Salt Yard Stage on the Halifax waterfront, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays from July 21st to August 27th. So the performances start at noon and will finish at 1 p.m. every day and you can learn more and see the full schedule of dates and performers by visiting downtownhalifax.ca slash tunes at noon. 
Great. Thanks, Ivy. I'm pretty excited that Tunes at Noon is back, actually. I think it's a really fun thing to do on your lineup. Yeah, the lineup is great. We have 17 artists. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, from all genres. So including, you know, from bluegrass to rap, from Acadian to rock. Uh, it's like it's a wide range. So there's definitely something for everyone there. That's great. Then you can also get your lunch in the salt yard. So it's perfect. That's right. Yeah, and there are tables yeah. and chairs there. So just have your lunch there and enjoy some music outside. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking it out. Uh, so the Halifax Jazz Festival is also back this year as a hybrid festival experience, which will include over 30 performances. The festival takes place from July 14th to August 15th. And in addition to virtual performances, they're hoping to have some smaller in-person live performances around the city. You can learn more and stay up to date by visiting halifaxjazzfestival.ca or following at hfxjazzfest on Instagram. The Curio Collective is holding their comeback show in Rogers Square on July 24th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. The Curio Collective's vintage shows showcase local vendors selling vintage jewelry, clothing, accessories, furniture, and more. Admission is free for the show, and COVID protocols will be in place, including mask wearing. For more information, visit at the Curio Collective NS on Facebook. Craft Nova Scotia is hosting a summer pop-up craft show in the Halifax Waterfront in the Salt Yard area on Saturday, July 24th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. There will be 18 local vendors selling various craft products. You can visit at Craft Nova Scotia on Facebook for more info. The Halifax Busker Festival is back this year and has been reimagined for this summer. So although it won't be the usual Busker Fest, it should still be amazing. Called Music and Magic, it will take place from Saturday, July 31st to Monday, August 2nd on the Halifax waterfront and will feature top Nova Scotian musicians and magicians on the Salt Yard 2 stage at the end of Salter Street. All the performances will be free and COVID protocols such as physical distancing and mask wearing will be in effect. For more information, visit buskers.ca. So those are just a few of the events happening in downtown Halifax over the next couple of weeks. It is so great to have events back. They really add to the feeling of vibrancy in the downtown area, and it will be great to see more people in and around the downtown core this summer. And we are starting to update our events calendar on our website again. You can visit downtownhalifax.ca slash events for more information and to keep up to date with events that are happening in the downtown area. And just a reminder that if you do come downtown for events, remember to continue to follow COVID protocols. Make sure you always have a mask with you, wash and sanitize your hands as frequently as you can, and try to keep a safe distance between yourself and others outside of your bubble when and where possible. So next up, let's talk about patios. Patio season is well underway in downtown Halifax, and as I've mentioned on previous episodes of Downtown Lowdown, we have over 70 patios in downtown Halifax, from sidewalk cafes to beer gardens and rooftop decks to courtyard terraces. There's a patio for everyone and every occasion in downtown Halifax. And we have a list with photos and links on our website of all the patios in the downtown Halifax area. It's a great place to start if you're looking for some patio inspiration or wanting to find a new patio to try. Visit downtownhalifax.ca slash patios. And if you're a business in downtown Halifax and you would like to be included on this page or you have updated information about your patio, please email communications at downtownhalifax.ca with a photo of your patio and address and please indicate if you're dog friendly or not. The Patio Lantern Festival started on July 15th with patio-themed celebrations happening across Nova Scotia until October 11th. The Patio Lanterns Festival is a new Nova Scotia-wide initiative focused on bringing music and activity to patios, streets, and public spaces, both indoors and out, across the province. 
Organized by our friends and partners at Discover Halifax and Development Nova Scotia, the goal of the festival is that regardless of the day of the week, visitors and locals alike will be able to find live music, food or drink specials, an interactive game, or fun patio decorations whenever they choose to venture out. For more information and to see participating businesses and a calendar of events, visit discoverhalifaxns.com slash patio lanterns festival. And it's not too late to participate in the Patio Lanterns Festival. If you're a business in downtown Halifax that would like to participate, and participation is free, and you don't have to have a patio to participate, visit discoverhalifaxns.com slash patio dash lanterns for more information and to sign up. So next, we've launched our new Meet Me Downtown campaign earlier this month. This new campaign features some of the feel-good moments you experience downtown, like enjoying drinks on a patio, having an ice cream on the waterfront, eating a cookie the size of your head, and more. The goal of the campaign is to get people back downtown to experience those feel-good moments and create more feel-good moments. For information, you can visit downtownhalifax.ca slash meetme and make sure you're following us at Downtown Halifax on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as we'll be showcasing the campaign and doing some giveaways over the next month. We also launched a new parking awareness campaign. The goal of the campaign is to dispel the myth that there's no parking in downtown Halifax. The campaign features our new parking spokesperson, Bigfoot, who points out that there are actually thousands of places to park in downtown Halifax. The campaign will be running throughout the summer, and you can learn more about parking in downtown Halifax by visiting downtownhalifax.ca slash parksmart. And just a reminder that on-street parking will be free after 4 p.m. on Thursdays and Fridays until September 10th. Before we sign off, I thought we'd do something a little different today. Let's give our listeners some ideas of things to do this summer in downtown Halifax. So, Ivy, do you want to start with some ideas? Sure. Um, yeah, we actually went to George's Island last weekend. Uh, so my husband, my son, six-year-old son, and I went uh, on the Harbor, uh, the Harbor Queen and went over to George's Island for a couple hours. And this was uh, through Ambassadors. So we booked our, our uh, ride over uh, with Ambassadors, and it was so much fun. Uh, we went last year as well. We're probably going to be doing this every year. It's probably going to become a, an annual thing. And uh, my son was really interested in trying to find snakes on right. the island. Because <laughs> we saw a couple last year, but we did not see any this year. And they're just tiny and they're I didn't see any when I went either. Yeah. yeah, the only time we ever saw snakes were, was last time. And and uh, they were just tiny and very timid. So, like, they're just completely harmless. They, they're more afraid of humans no, than like, we yeah, are. There's no of rattlesnakes them. or anything. No, <laughs> no, no, no. They're just, like, tiny little things. Um, but, yeah, the, the interpreters that were there, uh, the costumed interpreters, were really helpful. And they had lots of information. And they were even trying to find snakes with us, <laughs> for us. Um, they're just, like, really great. So it was a fun afternoon just to spend on the island and mm-hmm. explore the tunnels and do the tour. Uh, so it's a great family kind of uh, experience. Uh, my son is in uh, the Neptune Theater Camp summer camp this year, mm-hmm. so he's having a blast. Uh, so they yeah. have summer camps all summer long, mm-hmm. and uh, they're week long and uh, full days. And he comes home exhausted, which is mm-hmm. great yeah. because they're just so active and he's having a great time. I think most of them are full, but some of them you can probably put yourself on a um, – on a wait list, or there could be some last-minute availability. So yeah, and they also do camps uh, for March break and other times during the year. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, my son did the Discover uh, Discovery Center March break science mm-hmm. camp, yeah. and they also have summer camps as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, those were a couple of ideas that were yeah. that we've experienced so far. We're probably yeah. going to be doing the Harbor Hopper again this year too because my son loves it. Yeah. 
the harbor hopper <laughs> is always the crowd pleaser. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what you know, you can't really beat it. It's like a tour of downtown, and then it goes in the water. I know, and then comes back part. out of the water. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Nice. What about you, Lauren? Any ideas for our listeners? Yeah, so some suggestions that I have is going to the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic and the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia. They both have free admission all summer, so it's definitely the spot to be this summer. Mm-hmm. Plus, the farmer's markets are also great to go to and are free. So the Halifax Brewery is open on Saturday mornings, and the Seaport Farmer's Market are open on both Saturday and Sunday now. So it's a good spot to be on the weekend. Yeah, so there is lots of actually free things to do in downtown Halifax. You don't have to have a lot of money or spend a lot of money when you come downtown. And that leads into what I'm going to suggest, and that is a, to walk downtown. Halifax, downtown Halifax is a very walkable area. Uh, in fact, we have a walk score of 98, <laughs> which I'm not exactly sure what that means, but it's a good thing. And we're classified as a walker's paradise on the website walkscore.com, um, which I just discovered recently. So you can really walk from one end to the downtown area and back in a day, and there's so much to see and do along the way. Um, for example, we have our self-guided downtown art tour that starts in the Peace and Friendship Park in the south end, and, and that takes you all the way to the Halifax Marriott Harbor Front Hotel, and there are tons of mur- murals and public art all along the way. Um, it's, it's a great thing to do on a nice sunny afternoon. The Halifax Waterfront is also a great place to explore by foot. The Harbor Walk, it's called, runs 4.4 kilometers, and you pass the Seaport Market, the Discovery Center, the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic, the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia, historic properties, plus dozens of restaurants, shops, and more. So it's a great place to walk and to see things uh, and also be seen. And Argyle Street, the Halifax Little National Historic Site in the historic South End area, also great to explore by foot. Uh, so just remember to wear comfortable shoes and make sure you stop for a refreshing beverage on one of our patios. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but we have over 70 patios in downtown Halifax. <laughs> I think I said that a couple times, but it's a it's a it's a great thing to to do. Just explore explore the city by foot. Yeah, so that's my suggestion. So I think that's it for BizBuzz this week. Thanks for joining me. This concludes episode fifty four of Downtown Lowdown, recorded on July fifteenth, twenty twenty one. For more information, go to downtownhalifax.ca slash podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast and found it informative, please rate and subscribe to Downtown Lowdown. Don't forget to follow at Downtown Halifax on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.